Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful, quiet time that we have to spend with you and in studying about the awesome ministry that you have given to each one of us. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us, and I pray that everything will be clear and that you will help us to be the very best leaders that we possibly can be to help these boys and girls to become little disciples of Jesus Christ. In your name I pray, amen. Okay, well today's, today's um, seminar is called What's in Your Teacher's Toolbox? And you can see I have my husband's toolbox with me. I have toolboxes of my own at home, but, but um, they were much bigger. <laughs> I didn't want to bring such a bulky one. Okay, but this morning we're going to take a look um, at our teacher's toolbox and see how we can use them to reach boys and girls for Jesus. And this toolbox is going to represent all the, the skills and, and resources that we need as leaders, okay, to be effective evangelists in our Sabbath school rooms. So let's start first start out by following Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. Okay, now this is where um, Jesus finds Peter and Andrew, and they're all done fishing. They've been fishing all night, and they were washing their nets. And there were other fishermen there on the beach too, and they were doing the same thing. But poor Peter and Andrew, they hadn't caught a single thing. But so Jesus told them, he said, you know, row out a little ways, let down your nets again, and you'll catch some fish. Now, by this time, it's morning, the sun is shining, it's very bright and warm. And any of you ever gone fishing before? Okay, a few of you. I used to when I was a little girl. And my Uncle Norman was the one who taught me, and he said, we got to go out very early. I mean, we went out fishing, it was at dawn. You know, dragging yourself out of the bed. Because he said when it gets warm, he said the fish are going to go down, 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 where it's cool to get away from the bright sun. And he says it's a lot harder to catch fish. So, of course, Peter knew that. But he loved Jesus, so he did what Jesus said anyway. And, of course, we know the story. What happened when he did that? He caught a few fish, right? <laughs> he got so many fish, his nuts started to break. And he had to call for reinforcements from his partners, uh, James and John, who were fortunately nearby. And it was at that very moment, at the peak of all that fishing success, that Jesus gave that invitation that we know so well. Follow me and I will make you absolutely fishers of men. Okay. And what a revelation to give to these guys, right? Jesus was talking their language. And, and you know, if you've been coming to our, any of our um, children's seminars this week, we've, we've already talked a lot about methods, right? Started out, you know, this, displaying a whole new program that we could be doing in our kindergarten or primary classrooms. But, you know, I wanted to start this morning with this story because um, it's vital to look at our mission and to understand what it's all about. And because the mission's got to come first. The principles have to come first, really. And, and then we match the methods 
with, you know, with those principles. And, um, and so first off, I, I, I just wanted to, to remind us all that our mission is the same mission as that of Peter and Andrew and James and John. And what was the mission Jesus gave them? To be fishers of men, right? And if we're fishers of men, then our ministry is the ministry of evangelism, right? And whenever I think of that, I, I think of these words. And this has always been, since I became an Adventist, one of my absolute favorite books, the book Education. And Sister White says, in the highest sense, the work of education and the work of redemption are what? One. Okay, it's not like teaching is over here and evangelism is over here and there is nothing in common between the two. They are one. They are one and the same. And she says the reason for that is other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation of both of those ministries, um, though they're really one ministry, is, is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So when you go into your Sabbath school room, you are not just a storyteller. You are not just a warm, fuzzy mama or grandma who loves children. You're not just somebody who loves singing with children and being with them, though all of those things are true. Um, we are evangelists. We are evangelists for Jesus Christ, and we are saving souls for the kingdom of God. And we need to keep that thought always uppermost in our minds. Um, but, you know, with any ministry, I don't know if Peter and Andrew had a, a tackle box, but fishermen do today. But we're going to call ours a toolbox, and we need a toolbox for our ministry. Now, our toolbox is going to be different from the toolbox that maybe your friend uses who teaches an adult Sabbath school class, because they're fishing for adults, and we're fishing for children. And specifically, we're fishing for young children. And the young child is very different individual with different needs than those of that are in juniors or early teens. And so what we're going to do first of all is we're going to remind ourselves what our mission is. So we're going to add to our toolbox a little sign that says, bring them to Jesus. That's what Sabbath school is for. To bring boys and girls to Jesus. Okay, good. Okay, and so every tool that we're going to put into our toolbox is going to be for that one purpose. Okay, um, let's see. Let's go on to our next slide here. So it's one thing I've learned uh, over the years, and in, in whether I'm helping my husband around the house or whether I'm I'm ministering for Jesus in church or out in the community. It's all about the right tool for the right job. Okay, so, so all the tools we're going to put in here are going to um, grab our children's attention. It's going to turn on their, their little minds, and it's going to hopefully give them a hunger to know Jesus as their very best friend. And um, so all the tools in here 
are going to be tailor-made to how a young child thinks and feels and grows. So what's the first tool we're going to add? Um, we're going to start out with a boy and girl coming to Sabbath school. All right, this is, I don't know if you can see her, but this is Karen Kindergarten. Okay, and on her, she is wearing a t-shirt that says, learning is feeling. Okay, and here's her friend, and this is Paul Primary. And Paul's wearing a shirt that says, learning is doing. Okay, so we're going to add them right away to our toolbox. Now, notice that I put in, did I put in a whole child into the toolbox or just part of her? Did I just put in a head? No, I put in the whole child. Okay, you know, sometimes even teachers think of their ministry more like they're a cook than they're an evangelist. They kind of look at the child as if they were a bowl and that all they needed to do was add the right ingredients into the bowl and their job is done. It's kind of like this little boy, okay? All they have to do is open up the head and fill it in with the right information and we're good. We did our job. This little boy is going to come to Jesus. But is filling his head with, even if it's Bible information, is that enough to bring him to Jesus? No, it's not. I have, um, I've had the joy of, of um, giving Bible studies for a, a lot of years, and I've, I've even uh, worked at a missionary um, um, school where I trained Bible workers. But one thing that we all learn when we do that is that information is the foundation. It, they need to hear about Jesus. You need to hear about his plan for our lives. It is the foundation. But that alone is not enough to bring someone to Christ. So we've got to do some, a little bit more than that. And we're going to look at those, some of those things today. Okay, so sometimes, though, we, we look at our kids like they've just got a hinge on their head and fill it up with facts. So we, so we fill it up with story facts, like who built the ark? How many days did God take to make the world? When did Paul become a missionary? Which day is the Sabbath? And how will Jesus come to take us to heaven? Now, are all those things important? Absolutely. They are very important. But if we look at our kids as a bullhead, um, we're only going to focus on the facts. And um, we don't want to limit ourselves and think that that's all they need in order to be saved. Okay, so let's look at the building blocks of a child's relationship with Jesus. Okay, notice the first one on the list is what? Knowledge of Jesus. Okay, so we do need those stories. We do need to explain to them um, what God is like, his will for our lives, 
you know, all those story facts that we just saw. But it also includes their feelings about Jesus and doing what Jesus says. Or we would call this application as grown-ups. Okay? And all of these, even though those blocks are all on a different footing, all three of these are equal in height and importance in a young child's life. So it's all about knowing and feeling and doing. And our Sabbath school program and our Sabbath school teaching needs to embrace all three of those things if our children are going to become little disciples of Jesus, to grow up as Jesus grew, to love as Jesus loved, and to live like Jesus lived. And that's what we want for our boys and girls, don't we? Amen. All right, so that's why we need a program for the whole child. And that's why this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at how Karen Kindergartner and Paul Primary tick. You're kind of going to get a little crash course in child development um, for Sabbath school. There won't be any big um, education legalese words here <laughs> because we're, uh, we don't need that. But we, when I was in teacher training, we did study child development, and it is so very important. It is the foundation because we will, things, things will just go with, in one ear and out the other if we are not talking to the children the way they are learning and that they are growing. You know, if we talk over their head, you know, thinking that, you know, they're a little, a little mini adult or a little mini junior, you know, it's not going to phase them. So we have to understand how they're thinking and feeling and growing. Okay, we're going to look at both of these children um, and see the similarities between them. And at the end of our seminar this morning, um, I have a handout that, that sort of outlines the, the key points for both of them. And you're welcome to take one, one of each or just the one you want, okay? And I also will have a handout that, um, that it, with a picture handout, because I'm all about pictures, um, about what we're putting in our toolbox. So we'll get that at the end, too, just so it'll be a reminder for you in your ministry. Okay, let's start out with physical side of these two children. Okay. This is a given. We, you didn't need me to tell you this, right? <laughs> that our children, the young child is just bursting with energy. And both of these kids need to move. Okay, so that's why we can't, we can't just sit them down in their little chairs while they're looking at you up front, you know, all Sabbath school long. They need to have another spot where they can move to. Maybe for prayer. And we mentioned, you know, if you have a tiny room, you know, you can, you can uh, use a portable prayer center by laying down a little, a sweet little uh, quilt that the children can gather with you and, and pray to Jesus. Then you can pick it up and remove it. And um, even these little things that I've made um, for camp meeting, you know, these are, um, these little backdrops, they're just made with for those who weren't here before. They're just science fair uh, trifold boards. This, they're made of foam, you know, but if, if space is a limitation, you know, you can bring it out to use this for your prayer center. 
And what we did is, what for our Sunbeam Gardens program, is when the children have a prayer request, they'll, they'll add a flower to the board. And if they have a praise they want to thank Jesus for, they'll add a little bee to the board. And I'll tell you, that they really enjoy adding things to their prayer boards. Or, or if you have a space on a wall, do it on the wall. But if, if all you can do is this, after you're done, you can fold it up and you can store it behind you, you know, to give yourself more room. And you could do the same thing with a mission corner. But you don't need a lot of space because the kids can sit on the floor. And they do that in school. They, the teachers will, and I used to do this with, with the second graders, you know, we always have a time during the day when we have circle time. And the kids don't sit on little chairs. <laughs> There's too many of them. So they sit on the floor around you, you know, for story time or for, or for building, doing skill time with them. So we, we can do the same. We, and we don't need a lot of space for them to join you in a little corner of your room. Okay, so... They need to move, and it helps them to concentrate better when they move. And the magic number, um, ladies, is 15 to 20 minutes for a young child. They need to move. Otherwise, the wiggles come in, you know, and the talking starts, and you, don't, you lose their attention. So um, that is a, a number to keep in your head. So, so and we're, gonna, we're gonna wanna keep them busy. So we're going to use as many action songs as possible. We're going to march around the room. We're going to go on treasure hunts in the room from time to time. Sometimes I've um, hidden little objects that I'm going to use in my Bible lesson, and I put them around the room, and then the kids have to go find them. And, and then, you know, as I'm talking about them, then, the, you know, little Billy say, that's mine, you know, because his, he will have a part in that story by bringing, showing his object that we all want to look at during our story. Or sometimes I will hide little cards, and I did this during our, our um, Unlock Revelation meeting with the children. We had a, I had a big, beautiful rainbow that I made um, from poster board. And, but each night I, I scattered little cards of, of one of the colors of the rainbow. And so then the kids went to look for them, and then we attached them to the rainbow. And those are the things we thanked Jesus for during our prayer. And the kids really enjoyed that a lot. So a little bit of movement, even before prayer time, can be a good thing, too. And if you have enough room in your classroom, we've already talked about this, please have centers. Please have a space where they can go to. Um, to have prayer or to have a, a mission story. Now, if you have a small room, um, you don't have space for all of these centers, like a prayer center, a mission center, your place where you'll have your lesson time and your, and your theme time, um, then you'll need to sort of change, change the order in which you do things. So if, for me, if I was doing it, you know, normally after we have the children come in, we start with singing, right? Um, well, that's the way we, I do it. I start with singing, and then I usually move on to prayer, and then we have the mission story, and then we have the theme time, and, and then the lesson time, and the memory verse time. 
Um, but if I had a real, real small room, you know, and I wouldn't have too many rooms, places for centers, um, I would start with my singing time, okay, right up front, okay, and I think I would have my mission story first, and then I would go to a, a little spot, let sit down and have our, our prayer, and then bring them back to the same spot for theme time. So at least they've, they've gotten a little movement in there to help them. Okay. Um, there. Okay. Now, the biggest tool we're going to need, the most important tool we're going to need in here um, for the young child is active learning. Because young children are learning, they learn by moving, by touching, by handling, okay, and making things. And both Karen Kindergarten and Paul Primary are hands-on learners. So the more activity that we can build into our program, the happier they're going to be. And the hat, remember, Karen's wearing that shirt that says learning is feeling. Okay, so when the happy feelings go up, then there's this wonderful door that opens into her heart. And so it's going to be so much easier for Jesus to come in with his words and talk to her and for her to, to respond to Jesus with, with love. So, but, but sometimes as teachers, our, our teaching leans the other way. It's not active. It's Passive. Like maybe we're showing a DVD movie for the lesson week after week after week. Or maybe we're always telling the story with the felt board week after week after week. And what are the children doing? They're sitting there in their little chairs and they're listening. Their job is to Soak up all the information that we're trying to give them. Now, is it wrong for them to listen? No, it's not. But we do want to have a balance between active and passive learning. And if there's going to be, if the passive side is, is heavier than the active side, we really need to make some changes, all right? to add more so that at least there's a balance. And I would say if there's going to be one side heavier than the other, it ought to be the active side because that is, that is the side that reaches them more than the other. But let's just try to keep a, a balance. In passive learning, the kids aren't involved. And that's, that's the whole reason. So let's... Um, and this afternoon, we're going to take a look at how to inject more activity into our program. So I hope you'll come back at 3.30 when we'll do a lot of hands-on stuff. Okay, so for now, let's just remember that active learning is better than passive learning, and our kids need to move in order to learn. So let's add a sneaker into our toolbox to help us remember that we need to move with our kids. Okay, now on your handout that you're going to get um, at the end of our seminar, like up here, 
as you're going out. Um, Karen is wearing a little shirt that says, learning is what? Feeling. So how do feelings help Karen Kindergartner come to learn about Jesus? Well, let's, I wonder if you've seen a poster like this before. People may forget what you said or what you did, but not how you made them feel. Anybody ever seen like that before? Okay, it's been around, but it's so true. That's why I wanted to bring it this morning, is because it's so true. It's Karen Kindergartner to a T. Feelings are front and center with the young child that's four, five, and six years old, and maybe even seven, depending on the child. But reasoning will take on, or thinking will take on, um, and I'm talking about abstract thinking, will, will take on um, uh, a, a bigger role as they inch towards six years old, okay? But for most of Karen's time in kindergarten, she's going to be wearing the T-shirt where it's all about feelings. And that's okay, because... When feelings are rightly directed, that's going to lead her into a happy relationship with her best friend, Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't be afraid of that, talking to her about her feelings. And it's also going to help her make a, a, a healthy connection with God's church. I love when I hear um, Karen's mama say, Karen is always saying, is today Sabbath? Do we go to Sabbath school today? Do I get to see Miss Sue today? You know, or, or when maybe her dad has come up to me and said, you know, Karen is always pretending Sabbath school. She's always playing with, sets up her dolls and her, and her stuffed animals, and, you know, and she goes through the whole thing with them. You know, and of course, that, how's that going to make you feel as a Sabbath school teacher? You know, yes, she has blossomed. The happy feelings have blossomed into a wonderful attitude toward Jesus and toward her church. And um, I think yesterday, didn't Linda had a, a seminar on the goals and purposes of Sabbath school. I didn't get to go, but um, for me, um, this has always been one of my top goals, is that I want my Sabbath school room to be that child's happy place because I want to help them develop happy attitudes toward Jesus and toward God's church. And I think that's a foundation for being a good Seventh-day Adventist Christian or a little disciple. Now, this is a quote I wanted to share with you um, from a teacher friend of mine, Donna Habeneck. Have any of you ever read anything by Donna Habeneck? Okay, wonderful. She has read, she has written many good books. She's a child developmental psychologist, or she has been. She's retired now. But this is one of the things that um, she, she wrote that I really wanted to bring to you. Attitudes or feelings often determine whether or not a person will make that positive response to Jesus. If children have generally negative experiences with Bible teachings, they will more likely reject what they have been taught and will not respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So, as we teach our children from God's Word, we must keep in tune with their attitudes and feelings. 
So remember, that's one of the building blocks, right? Their feelings. Pardon? Is that quote in the handout? No. It's, it's on the... That's why you have your little um, lesson guide there. Okay, that's the teacher in me. Okay, now what I get from this is that feelings play a big part in a child's life in coming to Jesus. And those feelings are sort of like the pumpkins and the corn, you know, and you know, all these fruits and veggies that we have growing here on our Sunbeam Garden display. Um, they are the fruits that come out of those experiences, those happy experiences that we're giving them in Sabbath school. So we need to, to create a magnetic atmosphere for little Johnny or for little Mary who are coming to us in Sabbath school. And first off, that magnetic atmosphere starts with us, starts with us. Are we cheerful and friendly? Are we like a magnet drawing them to Jesus? You know, because um, in the book, Evan is Home, we've got this, this gem that I've really been blessed by. She says, smile, parents. Smile, teachers. Doesn't she look like a happy Sabbath school teacher? Wouldn't you want to be in her class? Got a beautiful smile. Let the sunshine from a loving, grateful heart light up the countenance. Adapt yourselves to your children's needs and make them love you. So that's why we need to understand how Karen and Paul click, how they're learning, how they're growing. We're adapting from our adult mindset to the young child's mindset, okay? And make them love you. You must win their affection if you would impress truth upon their heart. This is a golden principle for soul winning, whether you're working for children or if you're working for grown-ups. You have to build a relationship in order to impress truth upon their hearts. Mark Finley has always been, um, always been up there for me. He has been my, like my mentor in personal evangelism. And he always said that you have to earn the right to speak to them. And we have to do the same in Sabbath school. But we do it by being loving, caring, warm teachers, okay, who are listening when the kids want to tell you something, even though you, they've told you that a billion times already. You know, those are ways we need to build a relationship. So because if they, will, if they love us, they're going to more likely love their teacher's God. You know, and it's the same with with parents, you know, they love us, they're going to love our God. So it's, it's just as vitally important in Sabbath school. Okay, and this is how Jesus worked for others. Um, I don't have the quote, but from Ministry of Healing, I believe it's page 159, um, and I've heard it in camp meeting a, a few times already, that um, says that Jesus' method um, is the only... Um, for winning souls is the only method that will bring true success. And, um, and it's no different when we're saving children. You know, Jesus mingled with men. He mingled with women. He mingled with boys and girls. The little children sat on his lap. He told them stories. 
Now, you think Jesus was scowling? No, children wouldn't be attracted to a scowling Savior, would they? Now, I believe Jesus always had a gentle smile for, for the people that he was uh, ministering to. You know, he, he healed many of them. He touched them. Um, he put his hands on them and blessed them when nobody wanted him to take time for the children. You know, so Jesus showed that he cared in many ways, and that is what won the confidence of the people, including the boys and girls. And many of those boys and girls that, that spent time with Jesus um, later became um, disciples of God and actually gave their lives in service and gave their, their lives completely and died as martyrs for the Savior. But it was that love and care that drew um, people like a magnet to Jesus. So let's, let's see. Do we have a, yes we do, we have a magnet. So let's put that in our toolbox, okay, to help us remember to have a magnetic atmosphere in, in our um, Sabbath school rooms to make it a happy place and for it to begin with, with you and me. Now, um, we can also build a happy place by the way our room is arranged. Now, you don't have to have a big room, but I believe it should be a bright room. It should be a colorful room. It should have um, animals in there. It should have pictures of animals, pictures of things that Jesus has made. Like we have our parrots and our, our, our I'm not sure if those are hibiscus flowers or what, but, um, but they're flowers anyway. And um, so it should be bright, and if, if you only have room for one picture, find a picture of Jesus with the children so that they know that this is their best friend, this is their savior, and keep it there in your room. Okay, so if you have, if you have a bright and colorful room and your program is fun and you are there, then Karen Kindergartner and Paul Primary are gonna wanna be there too. Now, um, I've already talked about um, having themes, and I'm, we've heard it um, from Linda Gallimore also. And every quarter, I have a new theme. And, um, and I, my themes are always directed at helping children to become little disciples of Jesus. And I want, when the child comes in, for them to experience a new happy place, a new experience, a place that they can go to and visit. You know, like um, the Sunbeam Gardens is a garden. They can visit the Garden of Eden. They can visit Nazareth. They can, they can, visit, um, um, they can visit a beach. And I have some pictures of some theme um, setups that, that other Sabbath school teachers have done. And and this is where I wanted to talk to you about VBS. Because when we, how many of you are involved in VBS? Okay. Now, when we have VBS, sometimes it, we start out in the sanctuary or maybe our fellowship hall. But, you know, like um, this summer it's going to be about Noah, right? And so is someone going to just get up front and tell the story about Noah? No. They're going to have a backdrop. They're going to show an ark. 
they're going to have artifacts of tools that look like somebody is building the ark. Okay, so we want the kids to, to experience the story, not just to see it or hear it. And so that's partly why we set up our rooms to have a little, a little mini theme, because BBS really is our model for, for Sabbath school. You know, we're having sort of like a, a miniature um, VBS in our room. They're both directed um, in evan they're both evangelism, evangelism, okay, and they're using many of the same components, okay? So let's build a theme, you know, according to this, a lot of this was just made with cardboard boxes. So it's not like you have to, you know, break your bank account or anything. But I, I did this theme um, where Jesus was a little boy and the kids loved it. Um, we set up our room to look like the village of Nazareth. We had these little, these little houses. We had a village well. Um, every day the, the child would go to the village well, and I had a little picture there. And, and it would be the child's job to bring, bring uh, fill up a, a little uh, pail with water and bring it to the house. And we sat on, on blankets for story time. We learned our memory verses through Bible scrolls. Um, it was just a happy place. The kids just loved it. You know, we had palm trees and Bible animals, and even the um, even adults would peek in. They wanted to be there. <laughs> they could see it was a happy place. You know, and uh, the kids just didn't want to didn't want to leave it. Okay, that's that's one example of a theme. Um, I really liked this one. I found this one on on Pinterest um, that a, a Sabbath school teacher had done. You know, this could be a creation backdrop. You could use it if you're having the, the theme for the Ten Commandments. You know, this, this is Mount Sinai, you know. And I know in our curriculum, um, for kindergarten at least, and I'm, I'm sure for primary as well, there are stories where the children of Israel are going through the wilderness. So this would be an excellent an excellent setup, and, you know, this is just like craft paper over boxes, you know, and things. So, you know, it's, you can do things in a very simple way, but very effective way, and, and these are just plastic tablecloths from the dollar store, so easy peasy, but it does take some time to do it, but it's so worth it. It is a wonderful, wonderful way for the children to connect with um, the Bible story and the theme. Um, Here's another couple I wanted to show you. Um, on Sunday, Linda was showing us some resources from the ABC, and one that I just loved um, when I was a, a primary leader was Treasures by the Sea. Have any of you ever read that book by Sally Stride? Isn't that a wonderful book? I mean, it is just beautiful because every chapter, the children are learning um, through the story you know, about all the, the wonderful truths that we believe as Seventh-day Adventists. You know, and they've got a workbook that goes with it, which is nice for primaries. But this would be a perfect backdrop for that kind of theme, you know, because their grandma lived by the sea, you know, and they saw all those little creatures. And, you know, if it was me, if it was me doing that, I would add something each week that is featured in that book. Um, I did that one year when I had a blended kindergarten primary um, group. I I had I got this bulletin board paper that just looked like the ocean, and so every 
every week we were learning about a new animal and I had the same animal for every kid in my class so that every kid had the opportunity to add to the, to the picture we were building through the quarter. So by the time we were all done, we, and they were all realistic pictures too, because uh, with primary, you want to you know, do that more than for four-year-olds. But, um, but even the kindergartners loved it. Um, you know, we had this awesome, awesome underwater scene, and the kids were just glued there, you know, every, every single Sabbath, you know. Okay, and the other one, this was a, a jungle, rainforest type of setup, you know, it would be perfect for the Garden of Eden. You know, I would love this, you know, for my program, Dinosaur Discovery Trail, where we learn about dinosaurs in the Bible and how, you know, Jesus created them and then how they got all mean and, and Noah's Ark and the plan of salvation. And so, but that would be beautiful for that, you know. And so easy, just, you know, crepe paper hanging from the ceiling, craft paper all rolled up to look like vines, you know, and it looks like they were, these butterflies and flowers are all handmade, you know. So it's very simple sometimes what we can do, but it's so effective for our boys and girls. Okay, let's move aside, move away from themes for right now. Um, Rachel Carson uh, once said that children learn from a sense of wonder. Okay, Karen Kindergartner and Paul Primary are very curious. And, and, that, and that means they're filled with questions. And that's what we want. If they start asking you lots of questions, then you know their little gears are going and they are learning. Okay? And it sh also shows we've ignited their interest. And, and with children, if their interest is ignited, then they're going to want to know more about the Bible. They're going to want to know more about Jesus. And they're going to want to have Jesus as their very best friend. So we want to build an aura of curiosity into our program. So it's kind of like we're fishermen. So it's kind of like we've baited the hook, and now we're reeling them in. Okay? And I like to use nature things and real lifetime objects, sometimes to act as little teasers. Like inside my little Bible box that I, I sometimes will use for Sabbath school. Let's see what I have this morning. Oh, oh, okay. I have, and I made this, made this for a VBS when we were doing a um, museum theme for VBS. And uh, I just made a simple little slingshot. Okay, so, you know, I'd show it to the children and see if they knew what it was and what would a shepherd use a slingshot for? You know, he's going to swing it, and he's going to throw a rock, and he's going to use it to protect his sheep, right? But there's someone in our story today that used a slingshot, but he didn't use it with his sheep. Let's find out who it was and what he used it for. So, oh, that's a little teaser, okay? Or another time, and I did this during the meeting, we were having this story of Samuel. And so I ordered this miniature version of a little candelabra, and it actually came from Israel. 
And oh my, did I have the attention of the boys and girls, you know, and they, they didn't know what it was. You know, they'd heard about the sanctuary, but they didn't know what it was. And I said, well, let's see how little Samuel is going to use this. And as soon as you see it, raise your hand and say and tell me, you know. So that's what they did. It was a good, good teaser. And I even used this box because um, we were telling this story. I was that night. I was using the Bi little my little Bible friends book to tell them the story about little maid. And this was Captain Naaman's house. And there's a picture in my Bible friends of a Bible house. So you know, I tell them. I said, I want you to keep your eyes open. You know, when you see Captain Naaman's house, okay, you shout out and let it, all of us know. So I had some younger children. Oh, and here's something else that I made. I got some special clay at the store, and we made the Ten Commandments. And I, and I even put real Hebrew letters on there. <laughs> I, you can learn a thing or two when you're a Sabbath school teacher, right? We were just saying that, how we can learn the Bible. You know, and it's not hard clay. It's, it's, a, it's a soft clay, but it, it hardens like it. I used it for that. VBS program when I was the museum curator. I'll just leave that up there. So wouldn't your kids be more interested in a Bible story if you know if they could see these things and, and touch them and handle them? Absolutely. Because we want to grab their attention and keep it. And this is one reason why I do not like to use videos. Um, because I want the kids to connect with me, not with the technology. I'm sure they'll like the technology. You know, of course we all like that. You know, but if you do it week after week, okay, you've lost that connection with them. You're just the one who turns on the movie for them, okay? And you want to be um, asking questions as you're going through the story. You want the children involved. So you miss all that when you, when you do that. So Use little objects from time to time and spice up your lesson. And we're going to talk about more things that we can do to spice up our lesson um, this afternoon. Okay, so what can we add to our toolbox? Well, they're curious, so let's add a magnifying glass, okay, to help us remember to build in some curiosity into our lessons. Okay, now, these curious kids will ask lots of questions because they need to talk. And they understand by talking. I know if you're a mama, you get so tired of them talking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they need to. That's how they make sense out of what they're seeing, what they're feeling, what they're learning. So we do have to have some level of patience to, to be a Sabbath school teacher. Okay. Now, kindergarten and primaries are not into roundtable discussions, okay, yet. That's a junior thing, okay? But, you know, as your primaries get a little older, you know, they'll, they'll be inching more toward that, okay? And you'll start to see it. But for, for kindergartens, definitely is not going to happen. Okay, uh, they're going to make comments about what pops into their heads, you know, uh, what they're thinking about, what they're feeling, sometimes what happened this week, 
you know, or what something that happened last year, and it seems like it happened this week, you know, they're just going to make little comments. But, you know, that's all good. It's all good because you want to be building this relationship, and it shows that learning is going on. Okay, let's see. Okay, now here's one that I really love. Um, is I love singing with children. But it's not just because I love it. It's not just because it's a pastime. Singing is an important way to plant God's word in their minds and hearts. And we talked about that already on, on Monday. Okay. But I want to, um, uh, but it's also a tool where we can reach them for Jesus. Um, I don't have the statement here, but it's from Child Guidance. And page 523, if you just want to jot down that reference, our Ellen White says that music is a precious gift from God designed to uplift the thoughts to high and noble themes to inspire and elevate the soul. So it's an important tool for planting truth in our children's hearts. Now, that's one reason I don't always like praise songs because they, they just say like one little thing and they say it over and over and over and over again. So even little children can have songs that are planting a vital truth into them. Okay, because this is the seed sowing time. You know, the kindergarten and primary years are the sponge years of a child's life. You know, once, once they hit juniors, and I have worked with juniors a long time, I've been in Pathfinders. I've taught them in church school. There's like this door that goes over them. You know, they start to get hardened. There, there's, a, there's a rough exterior that starts to, especially if kids live in the city. And so they're not as open as the young child is. Um, so while they're in this sponge years, we want to use even our music to be planting God's word in their hearts. Okay, um, and on the same page of this reference, Ellen White says, how often to the soul hard-pressed and ready to despair, memory recalls some word of God, the long-forgotten words of a childhood song. Remember, we talked about yesterday where she said, children of Israel remembered the words in later years that they had set to music. Okay, so here's another instance of that. They remember the words of a childhood song, and temptations lose their power. Life takes on new meaning and a new purpose, and courage and gladness are imparted to the soul. See, see how important our music can be. So it doesn't matter what kind of songs are we singing with our boys and girls. And of course, I, I mean, I've already mentioned that they love it when they've got some rhythm instruments sometimes to use when they sing, like rhythm sticks. Um, I use cluster bells. Um, cluster bells, you know, in cradle roll, we just put them on little rings. But cluster bells is an actual rhythm instrument that's used in schools. And um, they cost a little bit more, definitely, but they're worth it. And tambourines and real maracas, not toy maracas that look like baby rattles, you know, but real, real maracas, you know, like what we used the other day in here. Okay, so even if they're not a strong singer, they can still make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? 
Okay. So, oh, I forgot that. Okay. Let me get that out over here. So we need to add, let's see, do we have a, yes, we do. We have a tambourine. So let's add that to our toolbox. Okay. All right. And there's one more classic thing that's, one more thing that's really classic with um, Karen Kindergarten and Paul Primary. Oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I wanted to, I wanted to give you some, some principles here. Okay, using songs to bring Jesus into our children's lives. Um, we wanna choose short songs that are easy to learn. Two to four musical phrases are often long enough, okay? Uh, and just musical phrases just means, you know, it's, it's a phrase and, and it's set to music. Okay, sing songs that teach reverence for Jesus in his word. Now, there are some children's songs out there that are really fun. You know, like bubbling up and, and all sorts of things like that. And, but they're not reverent enough for Sabbath. They're fine around a campfire, you know, um, but, or maybe in an, an adventure outing or something. But let's focus on sacred music um, during Sabbath school and not anything that in any way is going to look like we are I hate to say it this way, but making fun of God's word, um, reducing it to something frivolous and silly, okay? Um, God's word is sacred, and we want the children to get that idea very young. Okay, um, another, we've already mentioned that they love action songs, okay? And if you're a primary leader, I have even taught some children songs with sign language, and they just love it. You know, like, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Or Jesus loves me, this I know. With sign language, they might have, you know, that's an old song that they know, you know, but if you put some sign language with it, then it's a little spicier and more exciting. Okay, and, um, and kindergartners can learn three or four new songs a quarter along with their memory verse songs. They've got great memories, so you don't have to worry about, oh, that's, that's too much for them. But um, I always like to teach them a few, few new songs each quarter. Okay, now they don't need a prop in their hand for every song like beginners do, of course, but using rhythm instruments or props from time to time will add a little interest or spice to your music time. Um, now vary the tone of music that you use. Um, by this I mean some songs are really lively and peppy, you know, and those are great songs to start out your song service with, okay, to get the kids moving, okay, but you don't want every song to be like that because kids can get overstimulated pretty quickly, and especially the little boys, you know, so, um, so it's good to vary it. Have a peppy one, have a quieter one. But always end your singing time with a quiet one because most of the time we generally are moving then into prayer time and we don't want them to be all riled up and, you know, wanting to bounce off the walls for that, okay? Okay, and then um, this last one is enjoy spiritual songs appropriate for kindergarten and primary age children. Now, what do I mean by that? We have lots of resources for the young child for songs. 
This is one of my favorite songbooks to pull from. Little Voices Praise Him. You guys use this one in your Sabbath school? It's got the oldies, but the goodies, you know. And they've got some newer ones, okay. Um, I've learned some newer ones in here. But this is our hymn book for kindergartners, okay. And primary, I didn't, I didn't bring it with me, but um, Sing for Joy is our hymn book. And my, when, my kids loved that songbook. I mean, they don't have a picture for every song, but um, their favorites were always the ones that had the picture on the page. <laughs> but they loved having their own hymnal. And there are actual hymns from our hymnal in that hymnal for, for primaries. And, and my kids were always excited because they felt like they were big. They were singing the songs that they sang in church. And they're old enough to participate in church. So let's begin to teach them some songs that we sing normally in church time. Um, we don't have to go to junior songs. Let them wait for juniors to, to sing junior songs. Junior songs are geared for the needs and interests um, and abilities of juniors, not for kindergartners. So that's what I mean by, by using those spiritual songs. And if you're going to add... Um, if you're creative and you just want to add some um, new words to an old song that um, you might know or the kids might know, um, it's always good to add it to a, use the tune for a spiritual song. Rather, because if if you're going to put it to Jingle Bells, you know they're going to remember Jingle Bells. <laughs> they're going to have that association in their head. You know, so that's not so good of a of a tune. But, but if it's a folk tune that you know and you think they're not going to know, you know, what it, the association is, then, you know, of course you could, you could do that. Okay, so um, now we can move on to um, one thing that, that our children are so wonderful at is believing. These, the young child is a strong believer, just naturally, um, unless they've had as long as they come from a warm, caring home where their little love cups are filled up, they're going to uh, be a strong believer. They're going to trust whatever you say. They're going to trust whatever Jesus says. So let's take advantage of that, right? We want to, and um, we want them to believe what we say. So it's important for us that we be the right example. So let's walk it and talk it and live it and give it, and teach it, and preach it. Remember that song? Let's be that sermon in shoes, that sermon of discipleship, what it means to be a happy, growing disciple of Jesus. So let's put in our toolbox a picture of Jesus. And I like this one. I got off the off Google images. I like it because he's smiling. And whenever I... Um, make pictures for ch for children. I always look for a smiling picture of Jesus. But some of the some paintings of Jesus, I and mean, he looks so so disturbed, I mean, looks so sad, you know. Um, and I'm and I'm I know Jesus felt sadness too, but um, that's not the image we want to project for for little children. We want to, them to be drawn to a happy Savior. Okay, now. Um, there's one more thing I'd like to add to our toolbox this morning, and um, you'll find it on 
this handout from about Paul Primary. And up at the top, it tells us what kind of thinker he is. And Karen Kindergartner is a thinker like that too. But he's a, what kind of thinker? Concrete thinker. Okay, now that's the opposite of abstract thinker. We all are abstract thinkers. We can think in sim symbols. They will not go fly over our head or go in one ear and out the other. We can make, see an analogy in something, but not the young child, unless they're super, super mature. Okay. Um, toward the end of primary the years, yeah, they, those, those, the, their thinking will start to change. But toward the very beginning, they are not. Okay. Um, I heard a children's story just very recently and um, I brought my umbrella with me, it's over there. But the preacher used the analogy that an umbrella was the place where God would protect us. You know, he's talking to cradle roll and kindergarten children. And um, said that's where we, can, where we can run to and we won't be tempted or, or we will be strong when we're tempted. You know, and, and I just winced. Because, you know, he's really talking to us as grown-ups, not to the children. Children were not getting that at all. Um, a young child can only see one thing at a time, okay? So, like, um, his, if you were to ask a four-year-old, um, is your daddy an Adventist? No, he's my daddy. You can't be two things at once, okay? So an umbrella is, an only, is only a tool that we use to stop from getting wet. It isn't a spiritual device. So that's why we have to be very careful because we think in symbols. And there's a lot of symbols used in the Bible, but we have to speak in children's language and speak more plainly, more concretely. And this is really important when we start to talk to the children about coming to Jesus because we use words like, Letting Jesus into your heart or giving Jesus your heart, okay? And how a child, young child, that is confusing to a young child, okay? They can't fly up to heaven and, and hand Jesus a piece of their body, you know? Or how can Jesus come into their body? He's so big and mighty. How can he come into something small like my heart? So it, it just is very confusing to them. Um, why don't we say, would you like to be part of God's family? Do children know about a family? Yes, they're in a family. They know that family is, for at least hopefully for most children, that it's a fam place where they belong, where they're loved and cared for. And young children want to belong to something, to someone. And so this is so appealing to them. And if they're in God's family, then Jesus is their brother, right? And who wouldn't want a brother like Jesus? So it is very appealing to a young child, and it's something they understand. So, um, and this is a biblical principle. Because how did Paul work as an evangelist? In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, he wrote, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. 
Now, was Paul a smart man? And he was super smart. I mean, you just read his, I was just reading his epistles yesterday, you know, and I love them. It's my, one of my favorite parts of the Bible. But, you know, it's written like a lawyer, you know. So he was a smart, intellectual person. And the subject of God is huge. But Paul still didn't use such big words that it became a wall so that people could not understand what he was talking about, that they could not see the love of God and not, you know, understand what it meant to be part of God's family. So, um, can God use simple words to get across his message to others? Can he? I see some nod. Absolutely, he can. And so, we want to use child-friendly words in order to talk about especially the plan of salvation. So we're going to add in our toolbox a little child's Bible story book, okay? Written in words that they understand. Okay, so how do we talk to children about Jesus? Okay, well, one way is by using Bible stories, okay? And you won't find the whole process of coming to Jesus in a single story, but you will be able to help the children make a decision for Jesus in every single Bible story. Now, how many have any of you ever given a Bible study before to a friend or oh wonderful. Now what's the they're filled with questions, right? And what's the most important question? Pardon? The gospel is the most important question? Mm -hmm, that's a good one. I always say the last question is the most important question because that's the response question. Everything that precedes it is the, is the saving information that, will, that is leading them to make a decision for Jesus. Okay, And so our lessons should always include one, two. We should have an appeal for our children. Okay, because what we want to do, um, we want eventually want our boys and girls to experience the Holy Spirit, to surrender their lives to Jesus, to be baptized, to become part of God's remnant church. Those are the big decisions. But we pave the way for those decisions by helping to make little ones little decisions. And I could tell you stories about working with people out in the community that had trouble that way, but I don't have time right now. So, it, But it's like building a house. We build a house brick by brick or board by board until the whole thing is standing. And that's what we're doing in Sabbath school by making little appeals to Jesus to the, for the children. Okay, and so think of it as we're giving them an opportunity to say Yes to Jesus. Like if, um, if you were teaching the, the lesson on creation, okay, and you're all done, and all you need to say is, how many of you love Jesus for making all of these amazing animals for you and me? And do kids like animals? Do your boys and girls like animals? Yes, of course. And so they're going to be happy to, to put their hand up or wave their hand. They're ready to say, 
I love Jesus for doing that wonderful thing for me. Okay? Um, so in every story, we should be able to point out the love of God to them because children may not always understand it and see it for themselves, but we can see it. And um, that's the blessing of being a Sabbath school teacher, that you're, you're looking for that in that story. You know, we don't want to just give the bare bones of the story. What happened? Who did it? You know, what was the result? You know, that sort of thing. You know, we want them to see Jesus in that story, how they can love him more and how they can be like him, okay? If we want them to be a little disciple for Jesus. Okay, another time is when we have prayer, okay? Now, little children are transparent, and we can be transparent in return. So if you've had a bad week, you can tell them about it. I have told them about it. Like maybe you stubbed your toe, and then you got angry, and then you yelled at somebody. But then, oh, you felt so bad. And so you, you went and told God that you messed up and that Jesus, you told Jesus you were sorry and how happy you were because you knew that Jesus would forgive you no matter what you do. And then you can ask the, the children, have, you know, are you happy when Jesus forgives you when you say you're sorry? And, of course, children will nod their head or they'll smile or they might even tell you a story in return. But you're giving a little testimony. Our testimonies don't always have to be great, you know, like, you know, that you did something super wonderful. You know, they can, we need to show children that even if we make mistakes, we still have a Savior who loves us all the time. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in a home like that. I had strings attached. I grew up in a very, I grew up in a Catholic home. And there were always strings attached to my mother's love for me um, until she became a converted person. But um, I don't want that for children. I want them to know that they have a Savior who loves them all the time. Do you ever sing the second? I don't know if they sing it in the Adventist church so much. I learned it from my husband who grew up in the Methodist church. But... Um, he learned that in Jesus Loves Me song, Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I do the things I should. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, even though it makes him sad. You know, that spoke to me as a teenager when, I, when, I, when, I, when he sang that for me. So uh, it's going to touch our children, too. Okay. Um, and I just want to tack on one more thing here um, about telling them your story. Um, and looking at the stories that we do tell the children, um, like I mentioned, our job is not over when we've, when we've explained what happened in that Bible story. Like in the story of the falling of Jericho, you know, with them marching around the city, you know, and blowing on the trumpet and the walls coming down and, and winning a great victory that day. We don't want to stop there. We want the children, because information without application, is, won't bring transformation, okay? We need to bring a discipleship lesson into our stories, you know, so help the children to know that, that the children of Israel cooperated with Jesus. They obeyed his instructions, 
and that God was able to bless them, you know, and talk about ways when they follow directions and how happy it makes them. Or you could tell them the story maybe um, of the first time you, you kept the Sabbath and how happy it made you. Or I remember the first time I was able to give tithe, you know, and I was just rejoicing inside that I could give something back to Jesus to show how much I loved him. You know, so share a little piece of your life, a, a small little testimony. I mean, I've always done that in giving Bible studies and because you want the people to know that and your children to know that this is how a happy Christian lives. And it will help them to um, make those applications in their own little lives. Well, our time is up, but isn't that a beautiful picture? I just love that picture. All children of all ages and, and from every part of the world. Now, um, our, so our time is up, but I want to give you four gifts today, this morning. Um, there's, there's a, sum, a summary page for Paul Primary and for Karen Kindergarten. I'm going to move my Bible box so we can put these down better. Um, and I have a summary page of the tools for your teacher toolbox. And I also, I, I didn't get time to go through this, so um, this is a uh, handout called Sharing the Gospel with the, child, with the Young Child Using Child-Friendly Words. You know, um, and it goes through um, how to talk about sin, what crucified, on the Calvary's cross means, what is a savior, you know, words that you can explain it in their ways that they will understand. So um, it's front and back, and I hope that will be a blessing to you. So um, let's, let's just... I was trying to fill in these blanks I had more than two things You have what? When I was trying to fill out this over the Oh, oh. There's only three spaces, and I have a lot more. Oh, this is how a, a child thinks and feels and grows. Okay. All right. Before we all go, I would like to have closing prayer with you all. So God will bless you in filling up your toolbox back home, and, um, and that God will bless your ministry as evangelists for Jesus. Does anybody have any questions? I have one more blank. Okay, one more blank. Unless our children respond to the still small voice speaking to them. Oh, yeah, I took that one off. Okay. Yes, I, I took that. I did this earlier. Speaking to them through the, the scriptures. Okay. Okay, everybody got one? Thank you. Let's pray first, yes. If everyone could sit down, let's have prayer, and then we can um, continue passing out the handout. I appreciate my helpers so much. <laughs> nice to have helpers. Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this precious time we've had together, meditating on the wonderful ministry that you have given to each one of us. Thank you for calling us to be evangelists in our Sabbath school rooms. And Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit that he will fill our lives to the full so the children will see Jesus in us. 
and that we will be able to do our work like you would do it if you were in our churches. Please bless every teacher here. Fill them up with your spirit and with the wisdom to teach so that as the children think and learn and grow. And I pray that you'll watch over and protect us. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.